Record breakers in three, two, one. Two honey wyverns. Whoa. Soon get a wee Whoa. Two honey wyverns. Whoa. Soon get a wee We are the one. Nachos amigos, and welcome to Record Breakers, your music fun podcast of goodness. I'm Petey Rave, your man with no plan, and uh, reporting in from uh, all the way across the world from the future, 13 hours into the future. It's Monday morning for me, it's Sunday night for everyone else. Uh, when we record this, Record Breakers, here's my crew. My team back home in their respective houses. We've got Brett. Petey's been waiting all tomorrow for Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Patrick. Hello, everyone. And we've got Drew. Hey. Uh, so we're here. Gather. Talk about music. And the provider of said music is me. I'm here not just to provide the SK Wyvern's fight song, uh, but to provide an album for us to discuss. And as I said last week, it's going to be uh, an album that is kind of near dear to my heart and kind of like uh, an album for my formative years or even before my formative years, I guess, uh, for my youth. Uh, It's going to be the first album I ever possessed. Uh, salt and peppers, very necessary. A classic, to say the least. A hip hop classic. Uh, let's start with Patrick. Patrick, what were your expectations coming into this album? Uh, this is another one of the classic. I've heard the singles, but never listened to a record by uh, sort of groups. Uh, I'm I'm aware of Salt and Peppa. I knew uh, at least two songs on this record, plus a couple more off of some of their others. I understand some of their importance in hip hop history. And side note, as a child, before you know, I, I got I got angry and into punk shit. I loved early '90s R and B and hip hop. Like this sound is my wheelhouse in a lot of ways of my childhood. I you know I was very much a TLC fan, which is sort of I would say a a group who were peers to this. Uh, and I so I was, I was pepper adjacent. Yeah, they're adjacent. Yes. They're they were oh, yeah. they were they were of the Vogue. same time in the same to, scene. They were adjacent to En Vogue, which are directly adjacent to Salt and yeah. Pepper on this. <laughs> Weird. <Yeah. laughs> Speaking and, of En Vogue, we're talking and about it was right. it was uh, it was a nice little uh, trip back to that uh, to that period in time. Mm-hmm. What were your? Coming to this album, 
Um, well, uh, I mean, I was around, I was in like the third grade, but I was around when this album came out and I, I remember everything that was plastered in front of me by, uh, by MTV and, uh, on the radio. Uh, this is an album I haven't really gone swimming around in. Um, I, me and this album's paths didn't meet until I was much, much older. And even then it was a, it was a novelty at that point. Um, but, uh, but no, I, this was the first time I'd actually sat down and, and did the whole sitting in my chair with my giant speaker blowing me back experience. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I came pretty, pretty, pretty fresh, fresh, funky, fresh, uh, drew, what were your expectations coming into this album? Like Patrick, um, I, I very much know the importance and I very much knew the hits. And I very much knew what the salt and pepper thing was sort of about. Um, but other than that, I had not taken a full listen. I had not really dove into it. Me being me. Um, <laughs> and for our audio listeners, I am pointing to my skin and the, my your body. blown out whiteness. Yeah, my blown out whiteness. <laughs> it's it's, it's making your very, white balance all wrong. Yeah, in my. <laughs> In my Cavs jersey, showing off my awesome farmer tan and the fact that I'm a dude, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't something that I dove into, but I did know their importance in hip hop culture. So I was sort of excited to dive further into uh, what made Salt and Pepper what they were with an album that has all their hits but one, as we sort yeah. of discussed. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, this is the reason probably why it was memorable to me in my youth, uh, because this is kind of the, 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 yes, the instrument, yes, the, the truck in, in Australia, the, yes, yes, uh, my, my youth, uh, because it has many of the hits and it's, it's one of the more defining albums. It's very much hip hop. With R&B uh, influences in there, but very much it rap hip hop, uh, more of the I think probably more of the poppy hip hop of the early nineties, uh, of anything. But it still had kind of an aggressiveness, uh, at least an aggressive affectation, probably, but an aggressiveness to to say the least, and a kind of like a uh, a a a proudness and a and a kind of like a in your faceness, uh, especially in from female rappers, you know, female, uh, you know, hip hop artists, you know, it was, it was, uh, confident. It was, it did. They talked about sex openly. <laughs> no, wait, what? I, yeah. I don't think I picked up on any of that. They, they backed up their, you know, they, they, they backed up their pre, uh, previous hit. Let's talk about sex, baby. Uh, and they, they, they truly do talk about sex. Or was there after? Uh, I think there's after. Yeah, might be. It, the whole time, you know, the whole timeline is muddied up. Uh, Once they introduced uh, time travel, the continuity was broken anyway. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and there's very much a lot of influences here that you'll see in in a lot of the. It, it's it is an early '90s hip hop record. There's a lot of it that is, you know, very indicative of the time, uh, indicative of the of the feel, indicative of 
you know the the genre uh it is not a it is not a uh an out of left field genre bender <laughs> uh though it did it have some influences but by, by from like you know Haitian music and things like that but mainly because of the producer on the record uh but it, it's a very much a standard kind of a Ex, what you would expect of early 90s hip-hop uh and we'll talk about some of the tracks of like the, where it does vary and some of the things that it influences later uh but in the key tracks but i'll talk to you guys uh patrick what were you, what were the themes elements that caught your attention on this record um, this album sounds like pop radio of my childhood of like you know i'm i was seven when this record came out and and like that was definitely the time I started caring about music. And like I remember hearing this sort of stuff uh, about, you know, about that time. Um, it, it's it the 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 electronic drums are old school, you know, uh, old school drum machines, 808s and whatnot. Uh, I don't know all of the names of all of the drum machines, but like hardware drum machines when that's how you had to program your drums in this sort of uh, music before the wonders of a computer. Uh, the synths are still like uh, hip hop used all the leftover synths from the 1980s through like the first half of the 90s. So well. lots of lots of, of super like slightly cheesy patty synths to play to play the hook. And then, you know, uh, I, I would say pre-gangster rap style rapping, but post chicken tastes like wood. So, you know, rap was I, a lot of people consider this sort of part of like a gold, the golden era of rap music in a lot of ways. This was when people started to get good at it. And in this group, you had, you know, sort of the the extra thing that it's two girls who who at this point there had been women MCs, but they're few and far between. I mean, at this point, Queen Latifah was still was was in existence in MC light, but there wasn't a whole lot of girls who would rap. Mostly they just sang hooks and also not not be as outspoken. As and and that's the next thing is that you've got the, this is two girls who sing about sex the same way male rappers do just from their perspective, but very open about it. Very much like, you know, pro, like I'm gonna go have a good time and stuff. And in a way that I I'm pretty sure no one else in 1993 was, you know, talking about sex on a hip hop record as a, as a female, this is, uh, it's, it sounds exactly like 1993 in, in both good and bad ways. It hasn't, I don't know if I'd say it's aged well, but if you have, if you have a touch of nostalgia for that, <laughs> yeah, if you have a touch of nostalgia for that, it hits you like for me, it hit me right in that. This sounds like what I grew up with kind of way. Uh, I love this record, but I would say, yeah, no, it, it, might not it's, it sounds, well. <laughs> it sounds like it's era but it at least is a really good example of its era. It doesn't sound like the, the shitty stuff that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah Brett. Skilo. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Brett, what were the themes on this that caught your attention on this record? I mean, I mean I, sure. Uh, you know, I, th- this is definitely an album that they don't make anymore. 
this is this is a style and a like a hard-edged lady rap trio like a classic hip-hop uh duo with somebody actually you know like spinning records and and hanging on breaks and you know the 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 technology of the the chicken tastes like wood era um still uh every now and then you'll get a ballad somebody will be telling a story in this era um you know uh it it it's not quite the music that came just maybe a couple years afterwards um where where the the entire world of hip hop and rap music sort of changed quite a bit um but uh, yeah th- there's uh um i i lied i did notice they were talking about banging pd i'm sorry yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah they 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 you do notice? yeah they they talk about banging um a and lot. uh this is this is the strong independent black woman who don't need no man yeah. album. Uh, this is uh, th- this is uh, somewhat still relevant, though it does not hold up past the giggles to be a- as effective. Um, like Petey said, it's it's pretty hard edged. Uh, it's it's very confident, um, and uh, also it, uh, it 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 is a. Uh, a service to it, the community of, of people of the 90s by giving you a PSA at the end of it. Yes. Uh, it, it's just so very, awkward. very... Yeah, it's just a little bit awkward. Yes. Uh, there, there had to be the consciousness. This is... Uh, well, we were trying to kind of... looking at the timeline. This was, this was kind of early on into and almost into the middle of like what actually was a gangster rap era. We, we kind of really timeline it. So this was kind of like it had that, but it was poppier than that. It, it hadn't made it to the white folk in, in the Midwest yet. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Tupac died like two years later <laughs> or yes. three years later. Yeah. And like. Uh, it's just in 1996. these albums around this time. Yeah. These albums stopped existing in 1996. 19, I always note, in my opinion, the chronic as like the middle of like the golden age of like gangster rap, the chronic came out in 92. Yeah. So I was so considered, like right, so this is weirdly in the middle. More, and I always, I, I always yeah. think of 95 as like the middle of the gangster rap thing too, but no, it's like that was just California. Dr. Dre rap. leaving NWA and like, yeah, making yeah. It, was, the it was all in the early nineties. Like early, hey, nobody early was 90s, around tanks. the same time as grunge. There was no Let's, tanks in in, in this time period. The, the era of Master P affording tanks is, yes. is the greatest era of hip hop ever. Affording, renting tanks. Hey, <laughs> affording you know. to rent a tank and affording a tank are the same thing. You can Did lease you? anything with enough rap money. That's yeah. uh, no limits. As long as forty-four months lease on your Lamborghini, bro. Which but, I can't believe. Uh, you let us know the album that you might be bringing. I don't and it's not pump the brakes, P, and that makes me sad. And it's not word of mouth. Pump the brakes, uh, which is which is a bummer. <laughs> we'll have to wait till next hip hop month, or wait. Until uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. So so the the yeah. <laughs> uh, true. What would be the theme song that caught your attention? <laughs> this album is 100% a 90s hip-hop album, and that's okay. Um, this album is 90s as shit. 
Like, for sure. And that's that comes with everything that comes with what you know about, like, 90s, like, mainstream, like, pop, hip-hop sort of records. The rhyme schemes are built around being a staccato rhyme at the end, and it bounces off of that into the next line. And then there will be parts where they say a lot of words right up until the end of the line, and they get very quickly into the end of the line so that they can still match the beat with the staccato hit on the end. And that's fine. The The great thing about Salt and Pepper was twofold, in my opinion. One, Salt and Pepper were the duo in the front, of course, and they had a strong voice. I'm going to liken this, um, my opinions on what they did for hip-hop and what they did for the genre and what they did in the 90s. Go back and watch our art, our art pop review and note what I say about like the fact that somebody like this in hip-hop giving a subsection of female voice they're having that is indispensable in my opinion in any art form because a lot of times in music it will be a boys club we know that and there needs to be somebody for girls of a certain subset to look up to and i think salt and peppa does that in a good way because they are smart about it they know they're singing about sex and they know that they're singing about being a positive outlook on that but they're also like yeah, it's super awkward, the skit that they do at the end. But also throughout the record, if you listen to it, they also make a point to like say, like, yo, like, make sure to be safe out there. Like, we're going to be safe. Like, we're not going to be idiots. Like, make sure to not be dumb about this. But be yourself and do you, which I think is great. And on to the point of the second part. And this is the part that I think is great about Salt and Pepper, And the part that's always awesome is spinderella spinderella rides the brakes like nobody else the sample she chooses in the songs that there are samples on the beats that they make what they do with those records and how spinderella does it there is a to me there was the height of the hip-hop dj in the 90s where the DJ was a very, very high focal point that you don't get in rap and hip-hop as much anymore because you do have the people like that make the beats and then just send them out and let the rappers use them. You don't have the DJ as a part of the group, which I think takes away some of what was fun about this era. You had the producers in the forefront. You had the people that were making the beats and you had the people that were like really doing that work in the forefront and being a part of it. You had your Spinderella's, you had your Jazzy Jeffs. Hell, you had your Timbalins, like <laughs> just in videos randomly at the end of the nineties. Like it was, that was a thing. And I think that's really cool. Um, maybe it's because I know a lot of guys that like hole up in the studios and wouldn't mind a little bit of limelight, <laughs> but like, I think that's yeah, really the only funny. the only holdover for the prominent DJs. Uh, I think re- recently would be Jurassic Five. Yeah, it's three MCs, two it, DJs. Yeah, and if you think about it, like they're sort of known as being like this, like old school holdover, right? Like it, yeah. it it's not as much coming out. Like you don't see Gambino hitting the stage like 
and having a spotlight on the DJ, like the spotlights on Gamino, like you yeah. don't see that as much anymore. And I think the nineties was sort of the big era of that. Maybe it was cause Jazzy Jeff was getting thrown out of a front door. I don't know, <laughs> but like she was big. Um, yeah. and I think that's kind of cool. Um, and the band, in, this album in general is memorable and it did do something good, I think for the genre. Um, and really did like sort of push like, Oh, well, yeah. Th- yeah. They're females, but like they didn't, they didn't use it as a crutch. This, this genre is good when the people rapping speak their mind and speak their own truth. And you can sort of parse that through the poetry. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what salt and pepper did. They didn't mince words. They spoke their mind. And that to me begets good rap. That's just what it is. You can mm-hmm. tell a fake from a not. And these, yeah. these three didn't fake it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's just, we get into some kind of like, uh, yeah, it, they didn't fake it. It was an honest and the uh, honest truthness and the, and, uh, and yeah, and up upfrontness about it, which is fantastic. Uh, we get into some of the tracks and I mean, the, the, one of the big tracks, I think the one of the most primary tracks is I think the main reason I, I this came into mind recently, uh, and I, it's odd cause I mean, I'm, I'm here in Korea and it has to do with K-pop oddly enough. Uh, somebody honked outside. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, there was there's a group called I- IOI who did a song where they uh, featured prominently the sample uh, that is used in the song "What a Man." Uh, and I was like, man, I remember "Very Necessary." I loved "Very Necessary," and <laughs> I was like, and then I ended up going back and listening to "Very Necessary." I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna bring this on. Uh, and and Peter, in a moment, proves why sampling should be allowed. Yeah. And why sampling uh, does not take away from previous things, although it's sampling a sample, or is it sampling the either way? It's that they, they, I think they mostly I think the they re, just the referential the nature the referential nature of sampling is 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 a awesome. thing that sometimes makes you find something old that you did not know. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So what a man is one of the, it's I've heard it's the biggest hit on this album. Uh, it is the, the the radio hit uh, with En Vogue in there. Uh, it is memorable. It's fun. It's catchy. Uh, we also have a song like "No One Does It Better." Uh, I think it's specifically "No One Does It Better" uh, because uh, I think this is. I wanted to bring this one up mainly because this is. If you want to go back to the sound that. Uh, if you want to figure out what the sound uh, turquoise jeep is uh, aping like or <laughs> doing uh, go back to this song and songs like it uh, this is not the pinnacle of that genre but it's a nice little like this is that sound that turquoise jeep is doing <laughs> this is specific, specifically that sound uh, and we also have songs like shoop uh, which I got in trouble for ordering on the box and uh, songs like none of your business specifically uh, none of your business, which is that specifically that uh, you are not going to slut shame me because I want to go out and have a good time. Uh, it's really none of your business. What I do out at night. And it's like, it literally says in the, the hook is uh, 
if I want to take a guy home with me at night, it's none of your business. You know, if she want to be a freaking sell it on the weekend, it's none of your business. Like, you know, it's it's my life. It's what I like to do for fun. You know, you, you can just butt the fuck out, <laughs> like step off, uh, which is you know fantastic. And I think was was kind of like uh, a cool thing. Uh, but let's talk about some key tracks, uh, Patrick. What would be some of the key tracks for you? Uh, for basically the same reasons you said, no one does it better feels exactly like early 90s hip-hop and R&B. Like, it is, it is a time capsule in terms of its sound, and that made it fun for me. Uh, Shoop. God, what a classic. Uh, and you get, you get a prominent scratching by the aforementioned DJ Spinderella, who, like... Literally, they're like, they needed a DJ, and they found this girl who was, like, good at it, and they're like, yo, you in the group, and, and it worked out okay. Uh, worked out better than your first DJ. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, they found someone who could compliment them. Um, and and uh, sort of, I mentioned it before, like, Salt and Pepper, Salt and Peppa, sorry, uh, were willing Very to... Very Pepper. Yes. I I just got real white there. I know. Uh, we're willing to, for lack of a better phrase, sexually ex- exploit men the way men exploit women in hip hop traditionally. It's okay, and it's okay. It's awesome that they did that. <laughs> like, super like, cool. It's it, it is it is it is equality in a way that uh, that you don't usually expect, and it's just it's got a great hook. A great lyrical flow. It's it's a really good early '90s hip hop song. Uh, what a man! Just because I dig in Vogue. Can we have in Vogue back now, please? <laughs> like, yeah. In Vogue should have been Destiny's Child big, and they never got. They never quite got there. They're fantastic. It has. It, it's just. It's a great hook. I think it's. It's of of like songs of the early '90s. It's definitely on the short list of the really good ones. Um. Yeah. It's just really fun. And then I, I got to mention, and, and Drew brought it up. There's there's a there's a PSA at the end of this called I've Got AIDS. And <sighs> it is depressing as fuck. But also, and I, I'm thinking about this now, you know, 20 some years later. I wonder if because of this album selling a bajillion copies, like maybe maybe some motherfuckers put on a condom because of that song. And, you know, so. may, maybe that song saved a life or two. And I guess. The fact that like a what what I mean, these guys, this was like their biggest, I think their biggest selling record, but it was after they had broken, you know, broken out Uh, like having a popular artist try to have an honest moment about about like AIDS and not turning it into, you know, into, you know, the whole fear, uncertainty, doubt that that was a lot of the early, uh, you know, AIDS scare. They were trying to be like, no, it's it's, you know. There's a couple of little things you can do and avoid it and or, you know, and and make yourself a little safer. And I I just like hat tip for like having the balls or or lady balls to to put that on a on a mainstream fucking record. Like because, you know, also, I'd argue it wasn't it was a skit that was was, done by a a group. Yes. That if you look at it is one of those groups that goes around to like high schools and performs these skits, which is really super dope. Oh, it's super, like it's super them out extra mellow dramatic like in front, but like, man, I would, I'm, I'm saying that it's inclusion. Uh, I just I keep imagining myself 
being in a gymnasium in a school with somebody performing <laughs> this skit on the like basketball court and just being like uh, just feeling super awkward as like a 14 year old yeah. kid like I don't want but, to but the difference is, is that play. was <laughs> that was in the in the context of the discomfort of being in a high school gym this is on Petey's first record like think about that like like seven eight year old Petey gets this record Oh no! Yeah, and yeah. and and he gets that message, or you know, you have an older brother, Petey. Like he would have yeah. probably been more age appropriate for this, and it might have, you know, might have hit him it maybe a little 19. better. When 19, this... it was like, uh, no, this came out. I was nine, going on ten. Uh, so I was nine, going on ten, and my brother was twenty-one. Yeah, <laughs> 21, but like, 20. like that's a message that you know late teens, early twenties people got to hear. And yeah. I, like, like I said, I think it's inclusion is it's yeah. an interesting snapshot of the time. And it like really is like that. It was, that, it was, it was, that was the prominent era of the MTV telling you that AIDS is a thing. Uh, uh, sad and, music with black and white uh, photos. Of, and of uh, sad Pedro things. from we world uh-huh. and his peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, just, Puck putting his finger in the peanut butter and, uh, us having a after school special about it, and it was like, uh, yes. it was it was of the time, but yeah, it was it's probably like it's a skit that didn't age well, but you understand why they did it. I, I'm just like like two years after this, Easy E died, like you know, yeah. and that yeah. you know, and Freddie Mercury died. Yeah, but the difference was Freddie was Puck gay putting pe- and, his finger and in peanut butter. In 1993, most people thought AIDS was an entirely thing that only gay people had to deal with. It's only gays Whereas, and druggies, right? Yeah, and and this was, you know, prior to Eazy E, it was no seriously, this is kind of an everyone thing. So, yeah, uh, but yeah. You Moving just on. slipped Puck in there, though. I'm going to point that out again. Kind <laughs> of how he slipped that finger in the peanut butter. Uh, he slipped a lot rockets. of places. That's not cool. It's not rockets. Yeah. Fucking like, Puck was gross. Uh, the, those, that, was the, that was the, like, the early... You, they th- People think MTV doing reality shows where they manipulate things into storylines is a, a re- was a newer thing than it is. No, they, they fucking invented the that. They they yep. put the autoimmune disease guy with the guy who was an absolute slob and s- shot snot rockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was yeah. a point to that. There's there a reason for that. Also, Somebody put him with the, the the Republican girl, so that they cook up. Yeah, no, the real world created like, oh, we're gonna take the black guy, the guy who hates black guys, and hates gay guys. Oh, there's gonna be a gay guy, also a gross <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like the, the Planeteers uh, of right. uh, of MTV of, of multicultural uh, and uh, lifestyle high minded conflict. Let's, yeah, let's and, yeah, and eventually let's a future inter- intercontinental yeah. champion. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, the Miz did get his start on like yeah, it, real he, world. Was it the he New was Orleans on the real world? Here? Was it yeah, the New Orleans? Orleans I don't think it was New Orleans, but maybe it was. I, I New remember New Orleans, it was him and Coral. It was him and Coral. That's all I remember. Him and Quarrel. <laughs> Not... What was yeah. the one with the? Uh... I don't know. But let's move on. Let's move on before we get get too deep into this rabbit hole. Uh, Brett, what would be some of the key tracks for you? 
Uh, okay, I, I I was gonna talk to you guys about uh, the uh, the the guy who came to my school and uh, talked to us about the horror. He rode a, a Flatland BMX bike and talked to us about the dangers of porn addiction, but that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't near as fun as a of a PSA um, to be in a gym full of uh, several hundred people. But um, no, uh, Shoop, uh, it's the lead single off the album. Um, I remember the music video, uh, and the mainly because of the wardrobe. Um, it's worth looking up, kids. Um, but yeah, that 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 music video reminded me that man, you know, screw all this nostalgia. Their fucking nineties were fucking weird. Um, <laughs> like, uh, what a man! That, that another single um, is obviously it's it still gets radio regular radio play. Um, it's, it's likely the most well-known track off the album. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those songs that's part of the list of inoffensive music that retail stores can play. So you like, when you're, when you're shopping for some, some gym shorts or something at the, at your local box store, you might get a whiff of this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to last longer than any of us are. That song's like a part of music culture in, on the grand scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, none of your business, um, probably the, uh, the brightest spot on this album for me. Um, you know, it's, it's still relevant. Um, you know, if, if I, I want to sell it on the weekends, um, it's none of your business. Uh, if, if, if I'm, if, if me, Brett is, is going to hoe around, that's fine. Shut up. I, I'll hoe <laughs> around as much as I want. Um, but, uh, no, I, you know, I, you could really tell why, if you look at the four singles that they released, which are the three that I said, and then heaven and hell, you can see that those, um, those are very, very well polished songs, um, that, uh, they did a, that sold records. Um, and, uh, this record did sell quite a bit. I mean, these, these songs charted well, and for something that, Sounds so different than anything else that, like, I can think of. Uh, it really stood out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, what would be some of the key tracks for you? Well, I'm going to start with Groove Me, because uh, it's Reggae Hype Man. Uh, hey. Let's talk about the Reggae Hype Man. It's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, no, of course I'm going to talk about Groove Me. It was uh, either Groove Me or, what was the other one, Heaven or Hell? Um, that I was going to talk about and Groove Me, I think, is way more danceable and way more fun. Um, I'm a sucker for Jamaican rhythm. Um, and the beat is good. The, uh, it opens really strong. I didn't get a lot of reggae-inspired rhythms out of Spinderella, just the other one in, I think it was Heaven or Hell, if I'm thinking correctly. But I got it here, and it was great. Um, Shoop, I'm going to talk about as the hit that I'm going to point out. And this is the song that when I think of salt and pepper, I think of shoot. Like there's two songs I think of when I think of salt and pepper, I think of shoot. And I think of what a man, right? And if there's going to be a song that you can get a whole crowd of people to sing the hook to, I think about 49 to 50% of the crowd is going to be a little more uncomfortable singing the chorus and talking about a mighty mighty good man as opposed to shoot i personally would rather th- sing the chorus to shoot that's just me 
I mean, these are the people that brought you Push It. Yes. So. Correct. Push um, it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am saying, let's be honest. Yeah, it's easy. They're going to have more fun singing this chorus to shoot. Um, and then, if we want to point out the female sexual empowerment bit, let's go to Sexy Noises Turn Me On for a second. Yeah. That that you can cut that right out of this record and be like, hey, there's a female hip hop group that makes songs about this. About doing it. About doing it and being empowered by doing it and take out sexy noises, turn me on, and just sort of present it to somebody and they go, Oh, yeah, no. I, I can see that happening. It's it's blunt, it's to the point. It has a good hook to it, and has a good beat to it, has good flow to the rhyme scheme. It's something that, in hip-hop, you have to respect something like that. That's just that blunt. Like, no. Like, scream. Like, if I'm I'm on top and I'm doing well, let me know. Like, what's going on? (laughs) I'm okay with that. Communication in the bedroom. It's about... There's... Hey, talk dirty to me. Sexy uh, noise turn me on. It. We're all singing about the same shit when it comes right down to it, right? About doing yeah. it, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's hip hop. We're all just trying to get laid. <laughs> Join the ska band. Maybe it was it was to my detriment that that happened. Look, <laughs> like it's what music is. It's all somebody trying to get laid. Yes. <laughs> the it's a bunch of classic tracks. Um, let's start, let's bring it back around the horn. Talk about uh, conclusive thoughts. Uh, Patrick, what will be your conclusive thoughts on this album? Uh, it's a it's an important sort of record in the history of of music, just because of of where it sits and and that the early '90s for more than just grunge was a good era of music. There was a lot going on, and. Uh, and a lot of it was kind of good, this being included. Um, and it was it was a fun, uh, for me, like a fun wandering back to that time and kind of a reminder that I really did love the early 90s for for the, uh, the hip-hop and the R&B, which uh, both of which are featured pretty heavily here. So, yeah, go listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett. What would be your conclusive thoughts on the album? Well, they, they, they really don't make anything like this anymore. Um, and uh, there's reasons for that. Um, you know, a lot of pop music uh, is almost indistinguishable from like what would have been a core music genre at one time, you know, blending in dance music, blues, rock, blues, rock, folk. How many banjos have you heard strumming on tracks that you didn't expect a banjo to be turn- strumming on? Really, there's not a whole banjos lot of Banjos are room. super popular these days. Yeah, ukuleles, uh, people whistling, um, uh, the hand clap in a reverb room. We get a lot of that these days. Um, the, yeah, the you know it, and everything is mixed with something else, and their crossovers and stuff are are common. They're not, you know, they're 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 much more. Uh, they're they're taking up the the space that something like this would would fit into normally. Um, you know, I I'm glad I listened to it. I have to say, most of the the enjoyment I have was at the novelty of making fun of how dumb things used to be, uh, kind of. 
like not dumb and like it was it was stupid, but like if I went out today dressed up and and tried to play a Friday night gig, uh, doing doing any of the stuff that we were doing in the early '90s in regard to like. I, I just saw a picture of, of Vanilla Ice wearing a, a sequined American flag onesie, and I was like, "Man, <laughs> the '90s was dumb." Um, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I I'm glad I went back and actually listened to everything instead of just the the snippets that I found uh, or remembered. Um, and uh, you know, somebody who wasn't there when this happened or wasn't there when it happened recently. Um, is going to probably see this a lot differently than I I do, but like, you know, this is this is something that's that's worth a listen and probably is uh, noteworthy. More so probably because of the music and how popular it was at the time that it came out than than uh, than it's I, I, I than the message that it was trying to get out. But uh, you know that that's that's the uh, the little uh, cherry on top that you get with this album. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I would recommend it. I, I give it one and three quarter slices of cheese out of a uh, indeterminate amount of slices of cheese. Yes. Uh, Drew, what would be your conclusive thoughts on the record? Well, this is very much as I think we sort of drilled into the ground a, a time and a place, right? This is a 90s ass 90s record for people who love 90s records. Um, if you want to put on a starter jacket, watch some, watch some Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and listen to some music, odds are you might land on salt and pepper and that's okay. Um, and I think for good reason, um, it's catchy. Yes. It's of a time and a place. I think any, you have sort of those eras of music where like there is a cross section where you can be like, oh yeah, no, that's you would hear this type of stuff on the radio all the time in the nineties. And yeah, salt and pepper had a different tone to it by nature of being female, by nature of sort of the beats and the breaks that they used, um, the samples that they chose, um, Spinderella being Spinderella. I will still say that she's one of the better, like sort of prominent DJs out there. Um, or at least was in this era. Right. Um, which she apparently does like a old school hip hop or did an old school hip hop like radio show for like years, which is awesome to me. Um, nice. cause that totally makes sense. Um, but it's something that I think is worth listening to, especially if like you're in to rap now, there's always the idea, right? There, this is true of any genre, but there's a lot of folks that are into rap and hip hop now where your the people you are listening to will say, hey, like, I come from these roots and I used to listen to these guys when I was a kid or these girls when I was a kid in this case. And that's, you know what? These are one of the ones. These, without people like, in my opinion, without Assault and Pepper in the early 90s, you don't get the TLCs in the late 90s. You don't get, like, that sort of hip-hop. And I think that that's really cool. Like, I think what they did um, for furthering the genre and that is really cool. And I think their music is catchy. Yeah, it's cheesy now. Like I said, it's fucking bright neon colors and starter jackets and 
patches on everything and that whole bit. It's early 90s stuff as far as that goes, but it's still worth a listen. It's still fun to listen to every now and again. It's that font on the on the album cover. It's, it's that, oh yeah, that, no. Oh gosh, that, that like going. It looks like something that would be put in the like PowerPoint presentations in like 1998. Like, it was it's, like uh, it's 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 the whole the rap points. Uh, the the rap the music video from Homestar Runner, the Strong Bad, like the where's the check out my rap points. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, I will agree with that. Yeah, uh, but you know, being that uh, it is still a fantastic record, it's still a very cool, important record. It's still a very fun record. It's 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 a lot of fun music, cool music. Uh, it's very much a time capsule of a what people thought was important, what people thought was cool, what people thought was fun. Uh, it's you know like that that it's. It's, it definitely was more of a pop, hip hop record. Um, very much, you can see where they were trying to f- serve a couple different masters. Like they had to do the fun party track, and they had to do the "We're Conscious About the Hood" rap uh, 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 track. Like you know, like that that we're, we're we're conscious about uh, society track. Uh, you know the stay woke track. You know <laughs> that had to be like the party track, the hashtag stay woke track. You know the, before st- hashtag stay woke was a thing. You know they had to be like, you know the, what their message was. But it, it all works well. It's all fun to listen to, uh, especially in retrospect. Uh, even with the cheese, uh, I think it's it's definitely worth uh, worth going and checking out to kind of like experience that. Uh, if you weren't there at the time, it might not, it might not appeal to you. Uh, but I don't care. I don't care about your opinion. Your opinion is wrong. Uh, that's the antithesis of the show. Uh, as as hip hop experts, all of us, and uh, <laughs> and popular music critics, uh, we we are here to give you the definitive opinion yes, on Salt yes. and Peppa. Our definitive opinion being, eh, these tricks are pretty good. Hey, maybe fun. listen to it. <laughs> Go check it out. Don't maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the group that is considered important by many hip hop uh, critics and scholars, maybe you should check them out too. Yes. Uh, but yes. That white those guy are thoughts. Real, real yes. strong. Uh, those are our thoughts. Now we get to our haikus. Uh, our haiku reviews. Uh, let's I let's heard, just I go hear that's break. The, the main event, PD. Yes, main the main event. event of the evening. What have we've all been waiting for? Uh, let's go with the, or, our 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 batting order. Our same batting order. Uh, hey, get it? Uh-huh. Uh, Patrick, what is your haiku? The early '90s was a good time for music. This one included. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett, what is your haiku? Hip thrust, hip thrust, uh, 90s aid PSA skit. These women are hard. Mm-hmm. Lady boners. Uh, Drew, what is your haiku? Female trio that stands toe-to-toe with the men of their era. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, my haiku. Fierce female hip-hop with growing pop influence. Really fun classic. Uh, yeah, and that is Salt and Pepper's Very Necessary. Go check it out on our Spotify playlist. <laughs> you know, play Record Breakers the home game. Uh, on that Spotify playlist will be next week's record. Uh, it's going to be provided by, uh, by, I believe, Patrick. Right? That's the order. That's our usual order. Patrick. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yes. That's, that's the way we do yes, it. Yes, Patrick. Like, hey. That's the way we've been doing it for literally two years now. <laughs> I'm, I'm on like, vacation. I've been doing it for like two years now, haven't we? Yeah. I'm on vacation. I'm, I mean, I'm checked out. Uh, Patrick, what have you got for us next week? Uh, we're continuing with our hip hop month, uh, Watsky and his album Cardboard Castles. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Speaking of honest and emotional. Look forward to the discussion next week. It's gonna be an, it's gonna be a cool one, uh, but that'll be next week. This is this week. Uh, I've got a uh, in a, just a few hours. I've got a plane to catch to go to Jeju Island, see some 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 tropical weather and eat some tangerine oranges. Uh, so that's me. But you do you. Uh, you can of course find us all over the internet. Patrick is at Swagger. Brett is at Hey Drew is at Extra Super X. I'm at PD Rave. The show's at four record breakers. That's the number four record breakers. Recordbreakerspodcast.com. Recordbreakerspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, Rebelli.net for this another show. Rebelli TV on YouTube and uh, I think and on Twitch as well. I, though I, I don't stream ever, but when I do, it'll be there. Uh, Go check out all the things. Subscribe, like, share. Until next time. Hasta los huevos. Toodaloo. Push it real good. Wyverns. Escape Wyverns. Fighting! That's Hanwha Eagles. Number one team. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>